in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Okay, so uh, my producer wants me to read some of the transactions from my bank account. As you can tell from my voice, I'm thrilled about it. Um, all right, let's dig in. So bank account one, we have $6 at Cold Stone Creamery, which to be fair, <laughs> it's the Cold Stone in Burbank and they have like a hot cookie thing. It's fine. I don't have to justify my hot cookie to you. Um, $14 at Busby's East, which is a bar, which I bought beers 
It would have been more, actually, but I had a drink ticket for being on a show. So it's really good when you get paid in drink tickets. <laughs> um, other bank account. Oh, see, this is how I don't have to look at what I actually spent on because I used PayPal. I bought something on PayPal for $52. I don't know what it was. I also, astute listeners of this show, will enjoy how I paid $2,000 into my $8,000 car loan. So now it should be down to like $6,000 car loan. So that's pretty good. Everyone should be proud of me. I don't know that I had $2,000 to do that with, but I, I thought it's a good cause. Um, Yeah, this is a lot of PayPal transactions, which I guess is me trying to like hide things from myself. Um, So that's those are all my things. I will say probably I'm most embarrassed about the Cold Stone purchase, but I'll just file that under self-care. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoorah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with gas. Hi, I'm still Gabby Dunn, and I am still, you got it, bad with money. Let's talk about Just Between Us, the YouTube show I do with Allison. Oh, you didn't know I have a YouTube show with my best friend Allison? It's dope. You should probably subscribe to it immediately. Also, what did you just start with this episode? Go back and listen to the archives. Great. So now that you've listened to the archives and subscribed to this podcast, as well as Just Between Us, and watched all of our hilarious videos, how much would you like to pay us for the ownership rights to our unique blend of sincerity and cleverness? Oh, what's that? You want me to tell you how much I think it's worth? I mean, I think it's worth a lot. Probably. I don't know. If I could honestly give you, like, a number, maybe I... I... People get paid big money for these things, so... Big money. The thing is, we're doing it for the love of the game. Like, our work is just about the two of us celebrating our love for each other and our love for creating things. So how do you even put a price on that, you know? But also, I've just put a price on it. Big money. In the past year, Allison and I have had a lot of success. We've sold a couple TV shows you never heard about for various complicated reasons. We also have maybe a book coming out, depending on when this podcast airs. I'm incredibly excited about all of it. And I know that if I was listening to this podcast right now and I was still someone who hadn't done those things, I might hear myself expressing ambivalence about it and think, well, what the hell is Gabby's problem? But the thing is, I do have a problem. And it's not a lack of gratefulness for these opportunities. I'm incredibly grateful. I cry all the time about how grateful I am. It's that even if it all happens, the TV series gets picked up, the book comes out and gets turned into a movie where Anne Hathaway plays Allison, Allison and I get to build ourselves a pair of conjoined houses in Malibu where our kids can play in the backyard together, I'm still going to be me. And I'm still not going to know how to figure out where I end and the money begins. And that's why I wanted to talk to Molly MacLear. In 2011, Molly started the website Hello Giggles with Sophia Rivka Rossi and Zoe Deschanel. And last year, Time Inc. bought it for something in the neighborhood of $20 million. I feel obligated to point out that as nice a year as Allison and I have had, no one has paid us $20 million for anything. Yet. Anyway, I wanted to know who Molly was before she became a millionaire and who she is now. Is she willing to become my money Sherpa? I mean, I already have Garrett, but let's be honest, I probably need at least two Sherpas. It's a very heavy load. Also, maybe a brain transplant, but just like a partial one where they take out the financially dumb brain cells. Or maybe like an extremely precise hypnotist. 
Oh boy. When I got hired on Two Broke Girls, I had $32. Like when my right. company sold to Time Inc. this year, I had $12 in cash and negative $7 in my bank account. Yeah. Like, there, I mean, I've really had some financially starved times. We talked to a financial psychologist who told me that I have like poor person thinking, which is like you never have money, so you don't think it's weird to not have money. For, or, but like it yeah. is stressful to you, but it's not like rich people are like you always have something saved. You always have money. And poor people are like might as well spend it because you never have a savings. Well, uh, OK, well, full full uh, disclosure right now. Like I actually like starting at noon today, I had a complete panic attack coming up. <laughs> to coming here because I was really self-conscious thinking that at first, I mean, when when I even got the email to do this, I was like, why do they want to talk to me about money? What do they know about me with money? They know I'm bad with money. I'm going to be judged. Everyone knows I'm bad. And that's why, like, that's I, how I feel. That's why I'm doing this show, okay. Molly. <laughs> well, this is the thing is that it's Ex- money is so emotional. Mm-hmm. And like when I was writing on Two Broke Girls, like, Probably to the point that it was a detriment. Like, I knew I was working with millionaires, and I knew that I had $32 when I got hired. And, like, not every single person on that show was a millionaire or had been a millionaire for a long time. But for the most part, they were. And it's amazing how quickly you forget how stifling being poor is. Yeah. Like, I feel like there is a morbidly obese person sitting on my ribcage 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, And I feel constantly like i'm in constant fear about what's gonna happen yeah i mean so what panic setting like what what do you mean when you say they know i'm bad with money and they're gonna judge me (laughs) so i mean i just had you know i went from being very very broke to making a tv writer's salary which is insane Mm -hmm. uh and what i didn't realize when i was on the show is that I had always been in this, like, news world, which is a s- such a different pay scale. Right. Um, I didn't realize that th- these checks, these union checks, weren't going to come forever. Yeah, And yeah, that I yeah. wasn't just going to, like, you know, I think I thought being on a hit sitcom that it would gonna it was going to be really easy to just bounce from sitcom to sitcom. Uh, yeah. But w- also within the union, there's, like, ranks, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had gotten to, like, a producer level, which was, like, kind of a high level, and I wasn't that actually experienced. Uh, and so I think it was really hard to place me in a writer's room again, and that was a really hard reality for me, and I didn't have the savings that I should have had. I didn't even put away, like, $1,000 a week. When I left, you know, I had not that much money. I think people think TV writers are squirreling away a ton of money well probably a lot of them are how and you just didn't know no i mean look here's the thing (laughs) is that i i don't think i i think it had never occurred to me (laughs) i will speak to like my situation and just say that um i was with a bunch of really talented really tasteful very wealthy people and I think that I felt the need to keep up. Yeah. Which is ridiculous when I look back on that because, like, how the fuck would I ever keep up? Like, that's legacy money. That's like your grandchildren's grandchildren are taken care of. And uh, so I think I really got lost in that world. You know, like, the first thing I did when I decided to cut back was 
cancel my Soho House membership, which is like <laughs> such, I mean, can you kill me? But like, I canceled it because I realized that it wasn't just obviously, you know, a $3,000 membership to a social club every year, but it's a state of mind. Yeah. And it's like, I go, I belong to the Soho House. I go to the Soho House. But also it's a state of mind in that it's like you have something more or are something more than you are, which is just a person. Yeah. And that's what that meant to me. I'm not bashing the organization. There's a lot of wealthy people that go to Zoas that are not right. thinking like that. But I went from being from living in a, you know, a one bedroom apartment without a mattress in Koreatown to having an apartment at Sunset in Doheny and, like, stumbling home from Soho House every night. Right. That's a lot for a person to take on. And, like, it's it's embarrassing in a way that, like, that for me was flying too close to the sun. Like, that's a little bit embarrassing for me. That's a very, like, low threshold for <laughs> learning shit. But at the same time, like... I had no exposure to that. That wasn't a dialogue that, like, had ever been... Right. They don't teach you. Nobody talks about it. No. Yeah. No. And so... You know, I think that I'm honest about it partially because I have to be because, mm-hmm. like, my life has changed a lot. I think people think if you have any sort of visibility, you must be wealthy. Like, yeah. oh, I've heard of malls, so she's doing fine. Probably. Or, I mean, I was also very, very vocal about being very, very poor for many years. I was very vocal about that. Why? Because I couldn't hide it. I was a personal blogger for a really long time. Oh, That's yeah. how people know me from that world and... I wrote about what I was dealing with, and Mm -hmm. a lot of it was, like, scraping together change to go buy a bag of baby carrots. Did people condescend to you, or did people – was it – did it turn people off? No. I mean, I think that I still, to this day, when I was (laughs) – I – because this is who I am. I was, like, snapping about my panic attack. (laughs) um, (laughs) Someone wrote to me and was like – you know, I've been following you since, like, 2008, girl, and, like, I've watched your whole journey, and, like, there's no way that you're doing this podcast because they want to make fun of you. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, that, that's some perspective. Like, yeah, you yeah, followed yeah. me since I was in this Koreatown apartment, and while I have looked at certain areas of my life as, like, some huge step back, in reality, I've done okay. I'm okay. So when you write something... Do you assign or do you think of, like, the monetary value of it or do you think of, like, like, if someone comes to you and gives you a number that's too low for it, are you sort of, like, at a place where you can go, well, no, that's not? Let's be super clear. (laughs) Uh, I have only sold one pilot, a scripted pilot, before I wrote it. I sold it on a pitch with a writing partner, my friend Todd Greenwald, who created Wizards of Waverly Place. And I'm not going to lie. I think his presence really helps. (laughs) Um, I sold a unscripted show to MTV when I was 24 uh, that was going to be called The Mall's Half Hour Party Hour. Um, How was that? Non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) Completely non-existent. We've also had a running theme on this show about Viacom being the worst. I mean, literally Viacom, love you guys. I can't, no comment. But I will say that now that I look back on it, thank God it didn't happen. Oh, I had like a a thing I was supposed to write a book when I was like 22. And Mm -hmm. I was like, thank God that that book isn't in stores because I would have to go and burn every copy. Like I would have to, (laughs) like it would be, I can't even like the website it's based on. I can't even look at it. What website was it? 
I did this website called 100 Interviews. Okay. And it was like, I was interviewed 100 people in a year was basically the, it was like a journalism site. But it was a lot of like diary and like personal essay. And I wrote a lot about my boyfriend and I wrote a lot about like whatever. And now I have more visibility because of my YouTube channel. And so people will go back and read that website. And it's like they're reading my diary from when I'm 22. And I'm like, gross, gross, stop. Oh my God, no. Don't read me. it. I did an ebook for a thought catalog when I was like broke. So did I. Two years ago. And. It's basically exactly what you just said. It was like very diary entry, very much about my ex, like right. very like now that I look back on it, I'm like, you are such a mentally ill person. And like, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that A, I did it for five grand because I needed the five grand. Right. And B, um, you know, I'm very relieved that you have to own some sort of tablet or an iPhone and want to pay four ninety nine for it. Like, right. there's an additional hurdle to kind of get to my <laughs> lunacy. Um, but yeah, I no, did an ebook for Thought Catalog too, and I and then it's funny because people still buy it, and I'm like, you're not supporting me. I don't see any of that money. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, try, I mean, trust. Like, I am so. I was so delusional. I'm like, where are my uh, where are my residual checks? And they're like, um, there oh, are no residual checks. Yeah, we, <laughs> we played you a. F- flat fee for something that you should be seeing a lot more money for buy and you're like okay great no i mean i'm just you know what i charge that to the game like that's just one <laughs> of my mistakes like that's fine you know it's okay I, I would like that i charge that to the game i mean it's fine um one thing that we've talked about on the podcast too is that people are more likely to talk about almost any topic except for money <laughs> and so on your podcast please advise yeah a lot of the callers are talking about very personal topics like sex and relationships and all that yeah um do you think that it's harder for people to talk about money than it is to like call into a show and talk about like their dick um we've had uh some calls about money when the calls come in about money and jobs and stuff like that i'm very cut and dry with these people like there's no way around it you have to fucking work like yeah get your ass out there sorry you like came out of the wrong vagina like you have to work what are their questions? Their questions are like easy. They want easy fixes. Yeah, they just want like, oh, I've been in L.A. and I've lost three jobs. And like, I don't know why. Like, that was one that I was just like, well, you are a bad worker <laughs> and you're looking at the you're applying to the wrong jobs. Like, you shouldn't be doing those jobs. Yeah. Um, or, you know, people just being frustrated that they're poor. And like, I mean, I'm kind of the wrong person to cry to about that. So I like just because. No one fucking helped me. Right. Like, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, I, I've been working since I was 12 years old. Where were you working? At 12? Yeah. A farm. Nice. <laughs> a little farm stand. Uh, and I worked there till I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, had to quit for swim team. And then <laughs> after that, I just, like, I couldn't go back to the farm. Uh, so I went, like, off swim season. My first job was at a hair salon. And I oh. worked there... And then after that, I wanted to, after I had to quit the salon for swim season the next year, and instead of going back, I decided to go to Bertucci's. I don't know if you're from Oh, I, yes, goes, yes, yes. But, like, Bertucci's was kind of I went like, to Emerson. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I know Bertucci's. Bertucci's was kind of like a swinging place to work in high school, so then I worked there till I, I went to college. But, like, I had rich friends when I was really poor, and... No one ever said, like, hey, poor girl, I know you're struggling. Here's $100. Like, no one ever said that to right. me. Um, and as someone who is perceived to have money now, especially more money than I did have, especially to people like 
my friends from back home and stuff like that. Oh, that's the big one. Is they're like, well, we see you all over the social media, so you're doing great. Right. And like when these people come to me with real world problems that it's like, to be honest, it could be fixed by throwing a couple hundred dollars at it. Mm -hmm. I want to fix it for them, but I can't because I realize no one did that for me. No one like lent me $40 to get my bank account back in the green. Like, no yeah. one, ever, you know, like, that's... Yeah, a big thing on this show I've talked about before is that I... My little sister lives out here and that I struggled a lot and had a lot of really, really, really bad times with money. And then she had a rough time, like, a, a couple months ago and I gave her, like, a lot of money. Yeah. And that, that's been a divisive topic where, like, my boyfriend was like, you should not have done... And he loves her, but he was like, no, you should not have done that because it teaches her that she can just come to you. And I was like, what, am I supposed to not give it to her? Do you but, expect like, to be paid back ever? Oh, certainly not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was, that's definitely, I think, I mean, Oprah says it, everyone says it, like, you never loan money, you're giving away money. My first cousin, Fiona, like, mm-hmm. I don't lend her money because Fiona, like, needs to figure her shit out. Sorry, I Fiona, know. what's up, girl? But so um, does my sister, and so I still did it. But my best friend needed a computer for a job once and it was like my pleasure to buy him a computer mm-hmm. like there's no one i believe in more and no one i think works harder and i just i love him so i would do that and um you know it took a while to get paid back but that's not a big deal and that's more of like an investment because you're like he's going to use that to do to get money yes and also i mean i don't have a brother or sister but i can imagine you might feel this way. I The way I feel about my best friend is that, like, I'm in part alive because of him. Like, yeah. we're like salt and pepper shakers. I always say we go everywhere together mm-hmm. and we look weird when we're apart. And, like, that is one of those things when you date guys, especially, they get very, like, uh, they get bummed out about that. Like, they don't want you to have someone that close to you. Right. But I always say to them, like, you have to be grateful for Ed because he is the reason why I'm here today. Like, That's what my comedy partner has a lot of mental illness stuff and her father at one point was like, I want to help you. I want to give you money. And I was like, no, like, it's not. You shouldn't do that. And Allison, my comedy partner, was like, oh, but you don't understand, like, consider it a stipend for being my friend. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm a nightmare person. And so, like, he's just thankful that you haven't like that. You've been my best friend for all these years and you haven't left me like at, at all. You should be compensated for that. Absolutely. And I think my mom would do that for Ed. And I think Ed's dad would do that for me. Ed's dad is so cute. He's like, I know Molly is socially anxious. So if she ever needs someone to talk to. She can talk to me. Aww. It's the cutest thing in the world. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah. Do you remember thinking about money at all when you were a kid or like about the expectation of how much money you would have as an adult um i just knew i was gonna be rich like oh you knew I that was very like when i was like two years old i was like i am gonna go someday to the place where people make television and i'm gonna live there i've always known that which is why i try to be very careful about my thoughts because a lot of times they come true and oh. uh so I, you know, I have two really big fears: uh, going to prison and being homeless. Yeah, those are probably my two biggest fears, and like the things that I have to stop myself from thinking about the most. Yeah, I always wonder if, because I also sort of had that, like, well, I'm special, so, and I always wonder if the people that succeed, or you have to kind of have that sort of like, yes, I know that I will be making money in the future. I think we're a brand. Like, I think we're a brand <laughs> of person. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that there's definitely lots of different types of people. There's, you know, people that worked really fucking hard to get into a good college and did it that way. There's people that had 
probably better parents. There's mm-hmm. people that had like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. I, I, I will say that my mom married into uh, my mom married a very wealthy guy when I was 20, mm-hmm. but I was 20, so it didn't affect me. Yeah, uh, my grandparents had money, but they didn't give my mom money because she got pregnant at 21, and it was her job to figure that shit out. Yeah, my grandparents are like that too. They have money, but a lot of times they go, "Well, it's not." That's not what we do. We don't get you don't just get it. Yeah, just get it. That's why Gilmore Girls really fucked me up. Because I was like, it's like that, but it's not like that. So I don't appreciate it. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my grandmother's always bargained with us. Like my sister could go to Paris, but it was because but but she had to learn French and she had to come back fluent in French. Thank you. Yeah. Like stuff like that, like a bartering. That's the world that I'm from. Yeah. How much? Um. Was money part of the thought process when you were putting together Hello Giggles? I mean, we had none. Yeah. Uh, So I think some people would assume that when you do a project with a celebrity that they're just going to fund it. Everyone thinks that. Yeah. And Zoe didn't put in any more money than the other two of us did. Uh, In fact, none of us put in any of our own money. We sold a campaign uh, to Teleflora before Mm -hmm. we started. And um, we pooled our earnings from that and used that to hire a designer and a programmer. And, um, you know, at first we couldn't afford to pay any of our writers, so we didn't. It also was like, you know, there's a lot of websites that have free contributors. And Mm -hmm. I pooled from my group of girlfriends that I knew were going to love the exposure of Hello Giggles and also have a fresh opportunity to kind of hit a restart button. Like Marissa Ross, for example, she's now like the wine editor at Bon Appetit, but she started writing about wine on Hello Giggles because that had been a real passion for her. You know, she'd been writing about it on her blog and everything like that, but she really wanted a place to kind of formally say, hi, I want to talk about wine. Yeah. And now she's turned it into an entire career. That's definitely not because of Hello Giggles, but it is in part because our website needed to have girls... uh expressing new thoughts and yeah, finding yeah. new brands within the brand. And were you like is were you thinking like okay, we put this much money in, is this sustainable or what's the like business? You know, I wasn't really the business part of it. Yeah. I definitely It's hard to be both the creative and the business I've found from talking to people. Yeah, and and I have become more and more conscious of the fact that it's like unchic <laughs> at this point as a creative person to just be like I don't understand money, I don't get it. I mean, I no, I don't pay my bills. I don't write checks. I don't I don't do I don't do that. I haven't opened up a piece of mail in nine years. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I would pay my electric bill when it when my electricity got shut off. I mean, I really don't open paper mail. I'm upset by it. I don't like it. Me too. It sits in stacks around my house. And so I guess because I think if I don't open it, um, I won't have to deal with what's inside of it. Completely. Oh, my God. Completely. Like, I never want to see my bank statement. I have no interest. Stop sending it to me, Bank of America. I don't care. The way I get financial information is when I'm overspending and I get an email from one of my accountants being like, you're out of control. You're a monster. (laughs) It's it's like, yeah. So do you remember um, when the deal with time went through for Hello Giggles? Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> were you? No, like the exact moment, like what you were yes, thinking, like I in the moment. I the ex- what, exact moment. What of, were you thinking? Well, I, um, you know, I, t- I stepped away from uh, Hello Giggles 
about three years in, um, I decided to become a silent partner just because I had been focusing on a show and a website mm-hmm. 24-7 for three years, and I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to take a step away. And so in doing that, I basically did not know what was going on with my company day to day. Because right. I, I'm... Like, that is another area where I'm a little bit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking... I don't ever write a script because I think I'm going to sell it, to be honest. And I don't start a website because I think I'm going to sell it. Right. But however, my agents agents know they're going to sell it. And Sophia (laughs) knew she was going to sell the website. So I had just come back from a walk around the reservoir with my best friend, Ed. And we were in his apartment. And I got an email from the CFO of Hello Giggles saying, like, can you get on the phone? And I was like, okay, which is fucking weird because like right. we had never had a phone conversation in the last th- like three, four, no, two years, I guess. And uh, yeah, she just was like, hi, okay, so I want to tell you that it looks like Hello Giggles is going to be sold. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, she's like, we're we're gonna sell. And she said, you know, you're looking at blank, and she gave me what. I was gonna make and um like I mean she said you're gonna get money in 30 days <laughs> basically um and you were like I'm sorry what I mean it changed my life like right. I'm actually shaking thinking about it it changed my life like it um oh my god I'm gonna like cry it totally changed my life no but know? I think everyone think everyone wants that or everyone thinks that there's gonna be some like magical windfall I think yeah it was amazing um so you know, but with that, immediately the next thought was like, it's all going to go away. And wow. um, it was so crazy. Like, I went on a date with this guy um, that I hadn't seen in like three years. We had dated uh, briefly, like three years ago. And we went on a date and he knew me when I was leaving Hello Giggles. And so... I told him, like, you know, this the website just sold. Like, I can't believe it. And I had been keeping it really hush-hush because, one, the deal wasn't done. And, two, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. If it fell through, it would have been humiliating. Right. Like, and he told me on this date, he was like, yeah, so I told my friend um, about your website selling. And he was like, yeah, that girl, he's like... You know, she's one of the weirdest people I follow on Twitter. I don't know why I follow her. She's so weird. I mean, that's great about the money, but let's see how long that lasts. What? Why? And it was like... Because he thought you were irresponsible? I don't know, because he's a fucking asshole. Like, I don't know why. Like, and I literally do not... And what I don't know why even more was why that was repeated to me. Right. Um, Because it's such a dick thing to say. I'm like, why are you repeating secondhand? Like, the douchiest thing to say to me right now. Um, But... I felt all of a sudden my personal fear I realized existed outside of me and other people's brains too. Oh, ugh. and it really like that was a really sad, scary moment. Because my me. whole my whole thing is the shame of like other people think I'm foolish, other people think I'm stupid. Like yeah, when, especially when it comes to money, I'm like, oh great, everyone out. Like I wrote this article for Fusion about making money on YouTube and how I'm not making as much money on YouTube. And all I got were condescending emails, particularly from men being like, well, if I was you, this is what I would do. Yeah. And you're a dum-dum and here's how you do this and blah, blah. And I was like, like everyone thinks I'm dumb. Yeah. And that was like the biggest. It's really hard, especially if you have any sort of pre-existing shame about 
either A, your intelligence, or B, your financial situation. Both. Just both. Um, and it's, I mean, it goes so deep. Money is so... It's so emotional, like you said. It's the most emotional thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, it changing your life, were you like, okay, I have to save all of this? I have to... Well, I have a guy at Morgan Stanley. That was, like, the first thing I did when I got my money. I hired someone from Morgan Stanley to manage my shit. My money is in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I like it. <laughs> I worry um, all the time. Like, I we have projects coming up, and I'm like, oh, God, if... I, what, do, what do I do? Do I bury it in my backyard? Like, do I just, like, put it <laughs> right. in the mattress? Like, what do I do with it? You hire someone to help you. Right. And, like, and, and it's really, really great because what they did for me was they took almost all of my money and put it someplace where I can't ever touch it. So right now, I mean, I'm actually, like... I'm always on my hustle. So I'm, like, I'm trying to, like, get all these new projects up. I have this pilot that it's like I'm handing in the third draft and, like, I'm about to find out what happens with it. I've had my podcasts going on for, like, two years now, and we just started selling ads. And I'm actually, like, pleasantly surprised. And so it was nice because as I'm kind of dwindling down at the end of my cash these podcast checks have come in, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. And then uh, that's going to get me through the next dry spell. Who knows? Maybe a Two Broke Girls residual will come in. By the way, I have that. That was the other thing is that Two Broke Girls had just gone into syndication in September. Um, And that does not mean that you start getting huge checks right away. In fact, a lot of them are those classic. Like Like 25 cent checks. Classic, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah. those started to come in a little bit more, so it would be like a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks there. And like that's all I really need to breathe. Like I've right. seen my rent paid. I am fine having like seventy dollars for a month. Like yeah. that's fine. I've done that. So um the biggest concern is that I smoke cigarettes. Like that is oh. really it's hard to it's hard to maintain that habit. Um yeah. addiction, actually, not habit. <laughs> Total I've, addiction. I've had people because I've lived exactly the way that you're talking about, yeah. like thinking that there's checks coming in or being pleasantly surprised by money that you didn't know you had or anything like that. And that's been my like whole life. And then I've had people who grew up wealthy or people who are used to wealthy thinking be like, if I had $70 in my bank account, all I would think about is how to like, I would need to get a job. I would only care about not having $70 in my bank account. And I was like, okay, but if that's how you've always lived, then that's very normalized. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I can fix it, but Here's I can a- also stretch se- stretch $70. Right. I mean, it, yes. And like, there have been times where I've like really, really kicked myself by the fact that I don't have a trade. Like, yeah. I can't do nails i can't right. bake you a fucking pie like i can't do anything yeah. um so i have really kicked myself for not having a trade and i really wish i had done that um but i didn't when the hello giggle sale happened and you and you didn't have a lot of money in the bank account what were you thinking or what was your plan to fix that uh i don't have a plan i my plan is always the same and this is something another thing that i've picked up on people saying about me People are always like, Molly, you're fine. You're a hustler. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And I hate that about myself. In fact, like, I've cried about it. Like, because part of me just wants to be, like, a nice girl. Like, I don't want to be, like, you know, like a shark that's, like, uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be, like, kicking up stones for coins all the time. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that, like, I know how to make a dollar come out of nowhere. I hate that about myself. Like, I wish I could make it go away because it's like, 
you know, in a way, like compromise the way I live my whole life. Oh my god, money is so emotional. I it's incredibly emotional. No, yeah, I, I, mean, I totally hate you. Why no. <laughs> you? Because I cry all the time about it. So no, I brought I people here no, to cry right. this is for me. Thing. This is a very good thing. This is a very, very, very good thing that you're doing. Thank it's you. good that people talk about this stuff because everyone's thinking about it all the time. How can you not, you know? My money situation is changing, so it's a very interesting time for me to have this podcast. I'm going from a certain economic bracket to another economic bracket. And Molly and I talked a lot about being a hustler and how even when she changed economic brackets, she was still a hustler and she was still a person who always tried to make money appear out of thin air. And I wonder if that is similar to Dr. Brad Klontz's poor person thinking. And can you ever really escape poor person thinking once you have it? Can you get rich person thinking if you have rich person thinking from previously having poor person thinking? Can you relapse into poor person thinking? Is it something that you're trying to run from? And yes, when I say that, it sounds like poor person thinking and rich person thinking are afflictions and that we're looking for cures and that maybe one day we'll go into money remission. (laughs) Can money fundamentally change your emotional reality? I don't know that it can. So am I just going to still be me, but with more money? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing you have to know. And you know, as Molly said, charge it to the game. (laughs) But like emotionally, like charge it to the game emotionally. Thank you for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate us in iTunes, subscribe, and tell all your friends who are also bad with money. Also, feel free to tell all your friends who you assume are good with money, but are actually giant balls of anxiety like the rest of us because nobody has anything figured out. Thanks to our guest, Molly McLear. Check out her podcast, Please Advise. Bad With Money is part of the Panoply Network. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Laura Mayer is Panoply's director of production. And Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. Original music for our show was composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Our show art is by Cameron Glavin. And I, as always, am Gabby Dunn, and I will talk to you uh, next time.